Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whenever you are, welcome to Two Men with a Mic. Dude. With shaking, yo. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, Your yeah. birthday's coming up. Your birthday's tomorrow. Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday to you, sir. Well, thank you. Hey, I'll sing good. happy birthday for you. That's right. We're only a month apart. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of cool. And the, the cool thing about you, your birthday is that it's the same birthday as your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Very uh, unique. I don't know how many people do that. Probably a lot more than we realize. But yeah, it's still cool. That's super unique. And it must have felt like, I mean, she must have been laying there thinking like, wow, this is the perfect. Birthday. Of course. Yeah. She was like, man, it's never going to get any better than this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think she probably felt that way all the way until we were in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, and, then, and then she was like, is there a way to put them back? <laughs> can, we, can I put it back? <laughs> <laughs> so happy birthday to your mom, too. Yes. Mother, happy birthday. Although this will be a couple days late, but happy birthday to my mother. So. And then your family is going to surprise you with some kind of birthday thing tomorrow? Yep, that's what they say. They might just be taking me to the dump, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's a trap at your mom's house. She found a way to put it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch yourself, man. <laughs> yeah, go over there and hand me a broom. Tell me to start cleaning up. No, nah, your mom loves you, dude. Yeah, yeah. We all love you. Too. Well, she loves you, too. Aw. You're not alone. grateful to be a part of the Wooters clan. You guys are a great family. You're the brother from another mother. That's so, uh, That you, honestly, that, that gives me so much pleasure. I mean, to know that. I'm very grateful for that. You guys, I'm not kidding. You guys really are a great family. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Do you're you... a part of it. You're a part of it, you know, pretty, pretty deep. I mean, you know, everybody... Everybody knows you. There's no one in my fa- in my immediate family, anyway, that doesn't know you. You know what I mean? I mean, you go to my oldest brother, Steve, who's, well, he's just a lot older. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and he knows who you are, right? And and all the way down the, the line, you know, I mean, you've been to multiple events and family members' homes and just, you know, all kinds of stuff. Everybody knows Mike. I'm so grateful for that. The brother from another mother, man. Yeah, yeah. So that's a kind of cool topic because um, today's show 
is is actually kind of one that you know I, I remember when i first suggested it to you your reaction to me and i don't know if you remember remember this but you were kind of freaked out do you do you remember that uh no yeah yeah so i said i was i was all like hey mike there's this author i want to bring on uh he wrote a book called the ashes and it's about his, one of his best friends dying <laughs> uh well yeah that would devastate me like if 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 i'm gonna have to die first here dude <laughs> not to be selfish <laughs> but well, no, i would be utterly devastated if you yeah know. yeah me too i'd be devastated if i died too <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um that would be crushing to the world, sir. You're, you're a rare, good person. Well, you're right there with me, brother. The um, world needs people like you, sir. You know, just because you got 500 people that follow you on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you know, whatever thing you're using, that does not mean you have 500 friends. Yeah, totally. I, you're right. I think um, friendship is sort of bandied about, and most of the time it's kind of empty there's it's very rare that you you have like a true deep friendship which yeah is the reason i cherish our friendship yeah you know and i, I wish I w- i'd wish for everyone out there right to to find you know you don't need 500 friends you need one good friend yeah one 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 two front true friend you know you and i were talking the other night and um we were about i don't know 30 45 minutes into the conversation and then you kind of stopped yourself and you're like i'm sorry dude for dumping on you or something like that and you know my response back to you was like it's all right dude i'm i'll always listen you know and i'm so grateful for that you know and 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 my and my point was and we've ran into this right you and i don't have the same political views you and i don't eat the same food and you know follow the same things and it doesn't matter yeah totally you know it's just you know we care for each other for whatever it is that makes each other happy so you know and stuff like that you know i'll, I'll always listen to you and you know when i don't agree with you but i don't have to hate you i don't I don't have to anything and, and whether I agree with you or not about something, I will always listen and let you say what you have to say. And I, I think that's what true friends are about. You know, they're not people who just like one same thing as you. Yeah, totally. Actually, I was going to say that also is I mean, that's another reason I treasure our friendship. Um, but it's also an increasingly rare thing in our modern world. We we seem to have um, lost the ability to agree to disagree. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's just so special for me to be able to share my differing views with you and still have you accept me as a person, even if you don't share the same views. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we've said that so many times, too. Well, you know, let's just agree to disagree. I mean, it, it doesn't matter, honestly. I don't care what you think about or, or, you know, on those things. I don't care at that level that, that, that I can't be your friend and and we can't be friends because there's just, you know, it doesn't, those things don't matter in the end. Right. It's, it's, it's just someone that is trustworthy and, and, and honest, actually the fact that you do that, right. Uh, Better that than being fake. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. What? Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I'm right there. 
you guys go ahead and I'll catch up. <laughs> well, and I think a lot of sort of pseudo friendships are maintained by people not being honest. Yeah. And, and that's, again, another reason that um, my friendship with you is invaluable because I think our friendship is powered by us being completely honest with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there's no, you know, we don't pretend my, my kids, my family, know all about me know all about you we've never hidden our except for from my mom <laughs> we've never hidden our story <laughs> but you know but that was just out of pure fear you know i mean it's just always been that way so so yeah you know i i, I do cherish our friendship and you know just the fact that that we can always talk and and just you know it's it's always a good time. It may not always be good times going on in our lives, but when we talk and stuff, we're always uplifting and, and encouraging and positive and, you know, want the best for each other. Yeah, definitely. So I'm so grateful. I'm not kidding. I give thanks to God every day that you're in my life. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've learned to count my blessings in this um, challenging life that we're all living. And um, when I'm counting my blessings, like you're like number one, really. <laughs> yeah, you're, um, well, I mean, you know, I got my wife and my kids and, and my mom and then, you know, my brother. So you're probably in the top 200. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, actually, I've got my son. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, you're, yeah. you're in the top, man. I, I just, um, you know, you're always on my mind and it's, you know, you know, what's Mike doing, you know, and I'll always, t I always text you stuff sometimes in the middle of the day when I'm supposed to be working or stuff like that. So, you know, you're always on my mind because you randomly get stuff, you know, texts and stuff. So. You know, I, I've wondered if there's some kind of, I mean, psychic connection because you're also always on my mind, but I'll, I'll like all during the day, like at different times, I'll get these super powerful flashes of you. And I'm, I've been asking like my higher power, um, okay, what was that? Like, did Mitch just think of me? Is that a direct psychic connection to him? Um, or are you just reminding me to get in touch with him? Or like, what is that? Because you are always on my mind, but there are these like flashes during the day where it's like <laughs> and i'm like wait okay what 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 is that what is maybe that? i'm just in the bathroom at those times <laughs> <laughs> well, like, i hope not because you love those hot peppers right yeah oh so, my god yeah the jalapenos yeah oh but, man i, I love don't those. want to be in the bathroom with you <laughs> no nobody wants to be in the bathroom with me i not, no one man <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, this whole conversation and stuff, you know, takes us to this author. And, you know, like I said, his 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 name is or he goes by the name Hollywood Capone. And, you know, he wrote this book uh, called The Ashes. And, you know, he's a really fun guy to talk with. And he's super personable. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 got a lot going on. Yeah. Very friendly, very down to earth very creative yeah so let's uh let's bring him on all righty i am here <laughs> hey, welcome how you guys doing good how good. are you today good 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 i can't complain that's probably pretty late over there for you right you know what though i'm, I'm kind of a night owl so 
I mean, after even I finish chatting with you guys, I'll probably play my guitar for an hour or so and then hit the sack sometime after that. Oh, that's cool. I wish I could play a guitar. I really do. That would be like the one thing, you know, <laughs> but I can't even carry a tune, let alone how, a guitar. How long have you been playing guitar? How old were you when you started? Well, I, I think I started like when I was 14 or 15 and I'm, I'm solidly in my 50s now. So I've been doing it a little bit. A little oh, bit. Yeah, that's great. Well, first off, welcome to the show, and thank you for your time. We appreciate it. You, uh, kind of a, I don't know, you probably get this question all the time, but something that I really, kind of my first question I wanted to ask you was, what's the story behind your name? <laughs> That's a great story. I mean, it's probably not that interesting to anybody else, but for, for, for me, it's it's something that, I, it just means something to me, okay? So, I used to live in Hollywood five years right after we got married, and um and then after we were living there for a couple of years, you know, two kids came along. So our family's all from back east. We're in New Jersey. So, you know, we packed up everything we could and we moved back to New Jersey because the truth was, you know, we were very young and, and living out in L.A., the um, I mean, we were managing with the one child, you know, but with two, it was going to become increasingly difficult. And her parents were here and it just made sense for us to come back here and her parents watched the babies and, and that's just kind of how it went. So when we moved back, I started working this job in the car business and uh, a guy I started working for, his name was Sandy Cerami, he owned a Pontiac dealer in Paramus, New Jersey. And he just nicknamed me Hollywood because I, I kind of had that Hollywood look when we moved back here. <laughs> so you had son and... <laughs> yeah. And the, and, and the nickname stuck. And then, um, you know, I, I began to use it in my creative life because, you know, I've been doing music forever. I write poetry and and um, Capone is my wife's maiden name. So I took the two of them and glued them together. And, and that's how I wound up being Hollywood Capone. Oh, OK. So ah. so you're not related to the other gentleman then. <laughs> you know, it's funny. People ask me that all the time. And, and my wife's family, uh, they're from Naples, Italy. And, uh, and And it's a funny conversation with them because they're like, my father-in-law is like, he, call, he, he calls me Willie, right? So he's like, <laughs> Willie. He's like, that name in Italy is like a Smith. <laughs> or like a Jones. <laughs> and it's true. It's, you know, over there, it's just a name, you know? Right. So you're doing your taxes and everything, I take it? Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> got to be careful with that, you know? <laughs> bad reputation and all i know you guys follow you know anybody with that name you know <laughs> my daughter last summer uh went to new york well both of them did for a vacation and the favorite thing that she did or one of the favorite things was when she was crossing the street you know somebody honked at her or whatever mm. so she turned around and she's like hey I'm walking here. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was like her, one of her favorite parts. Well, you know, it, it's funny because my wife and I lived in California and we have this terrific relationship with Southern California. You know, even to this day, you know, a couple of times a year, we try and get out to Laguna Beach because we just love staying there. It's it's our place. Uh, to stay, we used know? to ditch school and go body surfing in Laguna. There you go. Yeah. At Got least fun. there's a creek. <laughs> well, it's funny because we meet people there. And, uh, you know, the last time we were, we were out there last summer and we spent a couple weeks and, um, you know, there's this one little beach we like to go to because it's kind of not really all that crowded. And we go down there and uh, there's this other couple on the beach sitting not far from us and they're they're lifelong Laguna Beach residents. They grew up in town, you know, 
and you know we just got the chat and like oh where are you from you know new jersey blah 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 we have that whole back and forth kind of conversation and the interesting thing to me is that people that are um indigenous to to california southern california the things they like about new york and the east coast is big trees and huge buildings and you know the hustle and bustle and and it's funny because people out here don't really pay attention to those things because they're just they're so normal and what people out here like are the, are the things on the west coast so it's interesting the <laughs> things that you know you like compared to where you are you know well so you're in new jersey yes okay but so you guys there's a beach there right oh the, you know new jersey most people don't know this but new jersey has some of the greatest beaches in the world um the problem with the New Jersey beaches aren't really the beaches so much because the beaches are wonderful. The problem with New Jersey is the water. <laughs> you know, uh, what's wrong? is it polluted or it, 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 cold? I don't it? know if it, it's not as polluted as it, as it used to be, but you know, there's a lot of sediment, and so the water here doesn't look pretty like it looks in, you know, say Southern California or Florida or you know, we go to we we, we go to Catalina and Avalon a lot, and the, and the water's really pretty out there. You know, yeah, and yeah. It, it's just not like that here. It's like a gray, murky kind of silty kind of look, and the beaches are great, but the water's like, eh, you know. Do you guys surf out? Do you surf? Yeah, I, I don't surf. No, not at all. But I mean, there's a lot of people that do surf here, but it's not really like it is on the West Coast. I mean, the waves don't break the same way here. Um, you know, you can do some surfing here, but what there is out here, there's a lot of like windsurfing, you know, you're, you're using that kind of energy to, to enjoy a similar type of sport, you know, kite surfing and things like that, where, you know, Southern California, I mean, you got a lot of places where the waves just break so nice. It, it just makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 We, uh, that was a big part of our childhood. Um, we would, uh, leave school and drive to Laguna and go to that Mexican little mexican stand right there and get our burritos and then yeah. go body surfing yep there you go <laughs> it's a little part of laguna beach called aliso creek oh yeah okay okay that's where we and what we would do is walk down the beach and th there was a section i don't think you were supposed to go to i think it, it was we were supposed to be in school so <laughs> yeah we were supposed to be in school and uh but then there was like a part that was in front of maybe like a resort or something and so it's okay. supposed to be a private beach but you could walk around the outside of the like climb around the outside of the cliff and then be in this little private cove yeah yeah yeah. and there That's, was oh do that, you know where that is well i think uh, if i'm not mistaken i think where you're talking about is down near the um there's like almost this like um it's, it's i, I want to call it a lighthouse but it's not a lighthouse it's like uh it's like a like a like a like a stone little tower in this little cove. It's it's right down there by um, Aliso Beach, a little bit maybe a little bit north of there. And yeah, it's on the north side. Yeah, I think it was. And there's like a little pier in the cove. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then, uh, well, we had a friend who was from uh, who lived in New Zealand. His mom was from New Zealand, and and he always said of Laguna Beach and particularly Aliso Creek that that water was like as clear and beautiful as New Zealand. And uh, I remember there were these big orange fish there um, called Garibaldi. Okay. And they look like giant goldfish. So we used to um, snorkel around that pier because all the fish would kind of gather around the pillars underwater and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was just really beautiful. It was the perfect place to go ditch school and go to. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. Well, if you're going to ditch school, that's not a bad place to go. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It does, when we lived out there, you know, the freeways, and I'm going back into the 90s here. 
when we lived out there, you know, there was, you know, traffic and the freeways and, and all that stuff. And we've been going out usually like once or twice a year since then. And in our travels, we've been able to see it get incrementally worse over the last, you know, decade and a half or so. So it's it's amazing that, uh, you yeah. know, it's actually still functions out there. And you know, it doesn't. I would say it doesn't. It's so bizarre. It's much worse now. I was living in L.A. in the 90s, too. And um, I just watched it get worse and worse and worse. The weird thing is that they've done they've, a lot of building like around the 91 freeway and stuff, adding lanes and some yeah. overpasses and all that stuff. And nothing helped. Like, it's just I dread having to go that direction. I, I never go there, honestly. Now, now, I don't know how old you guys are, but when uh, when Nadia and I were living there, uh, we were there for the Northridge earthquake in 94. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Yeah, we graduated in 86. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Yeah, that I was in Santa Monica for that and it completely shredded. I was uh, renting a room in a condo that my cousin owned and um it, I like the stairwell in the condo, it looked like a giant dinosaur just clawed the wall oh. and it, it was um right off of Wilshire Boulevard. It was Wilshire and 14th Street in Santa okay. Monica. And um, I remember every single storefront, the glass broke. It was a disaster. Where were you? How was it for you? Well, we had an apartment right off of Sunset Boulevard. It was uh, Sunset in North Mansfield, I think it was. So it's like, like almost right across the street from Hollywood High School. That place, it was the weirdest thing. Because, you know, coming from the East Coast, I've never seen an earthquake before. Like, <laughs> like, you might as well have told me, you know, said something to me in Japanese. I would understand it just as well, uh -huh. you know. And, but it felt like the way, the only way I can describe it felt like, godzilla picking up our building and shaking it with all of us and our stuff in it because everything in my apartment my fridge went all the way across the kitchen to the other side into the living room i mean all the dishes come out of the the cupboards and stuff our bed because it happened at like 4 30 in the morning our bed was slamming from one wall in our bedroom to the other wall just whipping across the room going whammo and then back to the other side whammo and back to the other side it was it was the most surreal thing that I've ever experienced in my entire life, even up to this day. Yeah, it was intense. It was a huge one. I had like a little Indiana Jones moment. I was in my room and then like it hit and I, I ran to get out of the room. I was going to go in the living room and go under a table or something. <laughs> and uh, there was a bookcase, a giant bookcase, and it came down in front of me. I mean, I dove like and the bookcase came down behind me and it had a bunch of heavy books on it. I just missed me. And, and it was funny because um, my my cousin had a girlfriend and they'd been in there like fooling around. <laughs> so they came running out and they were both butt naked. <laughs> and they were they were standing in the doorway and, and they were like, get under the table, get under the table. But they're both standing in the doorway just butt naked. And I was cracking up at them. <laughs> But it was a disaster. I mean, it wrecked the whole city. I guess it was worse in Northridge itself. I think that's where it was centered. Yeah. But Santa Monica was trashed. It well, was... it wiped out the 10 freeway, that big length of the 10 freeway for how long did it take them to put that together? It was like, oh, a, that's like right. two years or something, right? Yeah. I was also there, and you probably were too, during the riots. I moved there just after the Rodney King thing. Oh, okay. So I wasn't we there. You probably got a good deal on your apartment then. <laughs> I saw the yeah. aftermath of that though, because I, I, was, I was working for these guys that had a shop in um, Inglewood, right? And um, but they had another. They were um, they ran a car dealership up on on La Brea at like uh, right around La Brea, La Brea and Fourth Street. 
So we would run cars from LaBray and Fourth Street down to Englewood. And um, and there was a lot of like, like, you know, you see these um, like big box stores like Sears or Macy's or whatever. And the places were actually they, they came in, I guess, and they demolished them. And all that was left were the giant, you know, concrete pads that these buildings used to be on. Because I guess they were so damaged that, you know, Sears or Macy's or whoever was in there said, you know, what, we're done here. Yeah, that was a. Uh... I guess he missed it, but that was also super intense. Um, I remember, well, I saw it in like different stages, but mm. first I was at work when it hit and the police kept saying on the radio, like they broke in and they're like, everybody go home, everybody go home. And my boss would not let us leave work. Oh man. And it wasn't until the rioters were literally coming up the street right outside oh. where I work, like a huge mob of them when he was finally like, okay, you can go. <laughs> okay punch out go home <laughs> yeah and then i couldn't make it home uh because i was working in hollywood and then i was trying to drive back to santa monica and there was just no way yeah. so I, I went to a friend's house and then um down the street um right in the middle of hollywood and uh, we he was rich so we ended up in his condo like um overlooking uh, it was like cole avenue near la brea and um and Santa Monica Boulevard and stuff, but he was yeah. up in like a wealthy building and we were up on the balcony and just looking down in the streets and it was just teeming with people and they were just smashing everything and like going through storefront windows and looting. Wow. And, and we just all got really drunk and just watched them destroy everything. Oh, that's amazing. Holy cow. Yeah. We, we were right in the thick of it. Um, but it was a wealthy building with a lot of security and the guy just made spaghetti and um and gave us a bunch of wine <laughs> 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 it's eat spaghetti and watch the riots and well, that's what it was it. yeah <laughs> it was a pretty i was there six years in la it was pretty eventful actually longer than that but i was living i was there for college too for a while and um but i was living on my own in la for like six years and that's the year of the earthquake and the year of the riot or the years of the riot you know, it, it's funny because I, you know, when my wife and I were living out there, you know, we were very young before the kids came, you know, and um, it was some formative years for us because, you know, we both came from, you know, suburban neighborhoods in New Jersey. There's really nothing special about them. You know, it's just, you know, a, a, a regular town, you know, we went from here we packed up our car full of some junk and, and drove out there. And next thing you know, we're living on sunset Boulevard and then the, all this stuff is happening, you know, like the earthquake. And, and, um, shortly after that, I think, or shortly before it, I forget which way it worked, but, um, Malibu was burning for a while. So there was like all this ash that would fly around. And I remember I had to go to work very early in the morning every day. So at like five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, I pulled my motorcycle out in front of the apartment. I'd warm it up get my backpack on stuff like that and in the short while that the bike would be sitting out there um there'd be like a light film of like ashes that would fall on it It was just the weirdest thing i coming from where i came from i just it it, it was just surreal to me that all the stuff that would happen in, in southern yeah. california california burns every year <laughs> yeah we're like wildlife capital of the world yeah <laughs> um are you happy to be back on the east coast then um, yes and no. I mean, you know, my wife and I are older now and, you know, we're at, you know, at this point in our life where, you know, living our life is more important because, you know, the kids are growing up now and we go to California and when we're there, 
you know, we do our, you know, adult big person stuff. You know, we go to happy hour with our friends that are still out there. And, you know, we we do our thing. We hang out on the beach and, you know, we do the things that we enjoy and the things that we enjoy to do out there. You know, we really can't do the way we could do out here, you know, so we don't really. How do I want to explain this? The um, our plan is, a, you know, a couple of years, a very few short years is we're going to sell everything we got here and we're going to move back out there and spend the rest of our days out there because there's really no place as beautiful in this country as, as Southern California, at least as far as we're concerned. You know, one of the things we like so much about Southern California is, you know, we just like to hang on the beach, get a little faded and watch the sunset, you know, and it's, and, and there's a lot to be said for that with a pretty girl. Yeah. Kicking back, just sitting in wonder. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been married to your wife? Oh, we got married in 91. So we've been, we've been, we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Good. Congratulations. Thanks. You know, I mean, we, we we were lucky, fortunate to find each other. I mean, you know, aside from the fact that she's my wife and and my kids are my kids, she's also my best friend. I I just enjoy spending time with her and we enjoy doing the things that we do. And um, I'm very fortunate to have have met someone that, you know, I I can live with and, and, you know, she can live with too. So it's, uh, it's been a fun ride. After, leaving going back to uh new jersey from california is that you know you have a band right That's- i do and um and it's a cool rock band now it's um we do a lot of original stuff we do some cover stuff and uh you know i'm, I'm a little longer in the tooth but i'm still getting it done and um you know i'm very <laughs> fortunate because I, i've lived this life that um blessings have more or less you know found themselves into my life with you know with regularity in the current situation, like the band that I'm in, I, I play with some great players and my son's 24 and, uh, and I have the opportunity to play with him. He's, he's playing with us too. So it's, um, it's like a bucket list thing for me, you know, it's uh, That's cool. a great time and, and we're rocking out and we're playing some good tunes too. Are you guys um, just doing the bar scene or what do you um, guys do? Yeah, more or less. I mean, you know, this whole thing is a weird convoluted story in and of itself. I never really planned on having another band. What I was doing is that I wrote a book, I published a book, and then, you know, following that up, I'm writing a second novel, write a play at the same time. So I knew some guys that kept asking me, hey, let's put another band together, let's put another band together. And I'll be honest with you, I really did not want to do the cover band thing, go bar to bar to bar. I just, I, I, that's another part of my life I just didn't want to go back to. There's a lot of work in it, you don't get paid anything, blah, blah, blah. But, um, I threw this thing out there. I'm like, well, you know what? I'm like, I'll help you guys put something together. We'll go out and play some gigs, but you got to help me with my play. And, and they said, yes. So then I was like, oh shit, now I got to work, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of how this happened. And and now it is what it is and and we're working through it. And, um, and it's a good thing. It's, it's fun. It's, it's work, but it's, you know, we're having fun with it and and we're rocking out and, um, and we're playing some great stuff. I mean, we do like Alice in Chains, we do Nirvana, you know, we've got a, we're doing some toadies, you know, we do some stones, some Zeppelin. I mean, we've got a lot of different stuff going on. That's just, um, it's, it, it hits all the right marks for us. That's, that's really cool. It's, it's interesting. Uh, one of the things Mike and I do on our shows is we always have a, a song of the episode, you know, oh, right kind on. of a, a, a theme song that, that encompasses, either what's going on in our lives or, or what the show is about or, or has some kind of meaning along, along those lines. It's always been, been a big deal for us, even when we were kids in school. 
So the song for this episode, since we just got through talking to Hollywood about it, is from the movie of the episode. So I might as well spill the beans on that, but we'll do the movie review later. So the movie is Furious 7 because it lends to the uh, friendship scene and and everything there. And, you know, that was the one with... Um, um, God, what's what's the actor's name that died? Paul Walker. Paul Walker. Yeah, yeah. So they were in the middle of filming this when he died, and you know those guys were actually friends on that Fast and Furious. Those those two actors. Oh you know, really? Oh yeah. In yeah. real life. In real life, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they bonded over all that. So and you know who couldn't man? Look at those adventures. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so so our song of the episode is. See you again from the Fast and Furious 7 soundtrack. See you again. Well, so obviously you're an artist, right? I mean, you're a musician, you're a writer, you're a performer. So has it always been that way with you? You know, it has. And oh, oh boy, this goes to getting into some honesty I didn't really feel like getting into. But here it is. I, I, <laughs> I, I first started writing because... Um, it was just, I had, I had a knack for words and, 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 and putting them together and writing poetry and stuff like that. And I, I did it and I was interested in doing it and, and creatively I enjoyed it, but I never really had any motivation to do it until I was like, you know, in my mid teens. And then I, I started like girls and, and that was, um, you know, that was a, 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 a good catalyst you know, for meeting girls, you know, you write some cool words and some pretty poetry, <laughs> you know, girls want to talk to you and that's just life, you know? And, um, and it kind of segued from there into writing. And then, you know, I had some, I had some difficult time writing actually, you know, took a little darker turn. And then when that was going on, it, it really started to mean something to me because I, I was in a position where now I could, I could express my emotions without being a complete lunatic. And I, I could say what I'm feeling without actually saying it. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So out of all that, you wrote a book. I did. And the, and the book is called The Ashes? It is. And I'm writing another one right now, too. And uh, I'm really excited about it. Like, out of all the stuff I've done in my life, this is really the most tangible. Because um, I can hand it to somebody and they can read it and... They can tell me they like it or they can tell me they don't like it or, you know, they can whatever. It's it's um, it's the most tangible thing that I've done. It's uh, a defining moment in my life for sure. And it was like you said, it, it, it came out of if I understand correctly, I was able to listen to a little bit. But it came out of, like you said, some tragedy and stuff in your in your life. And it's kind of what draw, drew me to you to begin with. I kind of tripped Mike out a little bit when I, <laughs> when I, when I suggested it, but can you kind of share with everyone kind of the, I mean, as much as you want, because I know it is personal um, tragedy, but you know, if you could share a little bit and, and kind of just share a little bit about the book. You know, I, I'd be happy to it, it, here. Here's the thing. The book in, in much, in many ways, not always, but in many ways is about a lifelong friend of mine, a, a guy I grew up with, uh, we met in the fifth grade. You know, his mom was my math teacher. I mean, we just we hit it off as soon as we met when we were kids. And, and 
somehow I, I don't even remember ever not knowing him. You know, we just kind of always knew each other. And at some point we were just always around each other. And it, it, and it was just, he was like a brother that wasn't my brother. You know, he, brother knew, my from another mother. Real, he, he knew my parents were well, you know, my dad just from coming over the house when we were kids and everything. And even later in life, you know, we'd all go out and have drinks together and stuff like that. And it was just, it was just one of those things where, you know, you, uh, how do I want to say this? You, you have a lot of people in your life that mean a great, great deal to you that sometimes you don't think about how much of a great deal they actually mean to you until something crazy happens. And then all of a sudden they're not there and, and it's a body blow. And, and that's what happened to me with him. He, he, he died suddenly. And this was only a couple of years ago. And, uh, and I was having a real hard time with it. And, uh, and I took to writing to kind of try and work my way through it. It didn't start out as I want to write a book. It, it started out with me in front of the computer, just writing a paragraph to kind of explain to myself so I can see in words what it was that I was feeling and what I was going through. And, and that paragraph turned into two paragraphs and, and that turned into a chapter and that turned into two chapters. And, and next thing you know, I had a, a book on my hands. So but what, it's a, it's a fictional account of what happened. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of both. Um, it's, it's nonfiction and fiction. And I kind of intertwined the two. Uh, the story begins where basically, um, you know, with my visits to him in the hospital, you know, more or less right after I got the phone call, because his mom called me the day that it happened and, and let me know what was going on. And uh, so I, you know, there were a number of visits where I was going to see him in the hospital every day and, you know, hoping against hope that, you know, things would work out. And, um, and, and they didn't, you know, and, uh, you know, I eventually took my father to see him in the hospital. And, and we're really, really where it really got weird for me because it sucked all the way through. But the the, the peak of suckiness was <laughs> the, the last day I went to see him in the hospital. I took my dad with me because my father's like, oh, man, he's like, I got to see Alan, you know, and uh, it made sense, you know. So I, I take him in there and um, and we walk into the room and, and Alan's parents are in there and they have him propped up on the bed. And uh, he, he passed like moments before we got there. And it was just surreal because, you know, before that, you know, they had, you know, tubes in him that he was being ventilated, the feeding tube in him, you know, all this stuff. And, and, um, and I walked in the room and initially when I saw him without the tubes in him, you know, I, I, I got excited. I was like, Oh my God, you know, but then, you know, as I looked at him a moment or two, after that, it, it, it all was pretty clear what was going on. And it was, it was one of the saddest moments of my life. I'm sorry that you went through that. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's really tough. I I completely understand. I, I went through something similar to that with my stepdad. But uh, so yeah, that's that's definitely tough. What um, your book? What what's the book about? <laughs> the book is. Um, I mean. The book is a very simple story of kind of how I explain what happened. Because, all right, there's more to this story because it gets worse. Um, I'll tell a little bit to you. So anyway, you know, we're there with his parents. And I had this like mental freak out in the room while this is all going on. Not like any sort of, you know, outburst or anything like that. But I, I just kind of crawled inside my head and I, I just didn't want to come out. I was hiding inside my own head, you know. And um, my father was talking to the parents. And they started having this weird conversation, you know, about, you know, how he was killed because he fell off a roof. Right. And it was a stupid thing that he did. And they started having this conversation about it. And to me, 
like all I was hearing, like you guys ever watch Charlie Brown, like any of the Charlie Brown episodes? You ever hear yep. Charlie Brown's? Oh yeah. They're like went 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 went. Yeah, yep. the teacher. <laughs> and, and and that's all I was hearing. You know, I, that's all I could hear. And I just I wanted to get the hell out of there, but I, I wanted to do it semi gracefully, you know. And um, and that's really what I tried to write is is how I was feeling in my mind why that was going on. And because what happened after that, you know, when I was leaving there, I, I was talking to his parents and, you know, we were talking about, you know, there was going to be a service or memorial, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And um, and, you know, eventually my dad and I left. And the, the days after that got really weird because Alan and I were so close that all of a sudden because he, you got to understand, he's one of these guys that knew everybody in the world. Right. right. So he's like that guy that goes into a party and just talks to everybody like He's known them forever, even if he just met them. So I had gloms and gloms of people calling me, asking me what's going on. Hey, when's the service? You know, what's going on? Are, are we getting together? You know, is it going to be is going to be in the church? What, what's happening? Are they burying him? And you know, I didn't know anything. And what happened eventually is without anybody knowing it, um, they cremated him and um, and he just disappeared off the earth. There was no memorial. There was no, there was no service. There was no goodbye. There was just nothing. It was like he just evaporated and, and it was a race from the world. And that is really the story that I tell in that book is how he got erased from the world. Yeah. The, the, the part I heard um, was about uh, like you guys were fighting a dragon and he gets flipped <laughs> up in the air and swallowed. And I, I'm, I'm sure that was a metaphor. But yes. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's really the story, you know. And, and <clears throat> the cool thing about writing, and, and I never intended to write anything like that ever. It's just, it came out, it was born out of, you know, this, this drama that was going on inside my head that I just had to thrash my way through. And, um, and the cool thing about it, I'm not to say that it's a cool thing, but... I, I look at this like he gave me this incredible gift now that I'm obligated to to pursue, you know, whether it turns into something or not is a whole different story. But I have an obligation both to him and myself um, to 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 see where, you know, this leads. And the first book is cool. It's a cool story. It's an interesting read. It it gives you a taste of kind of how I think about things and how I see the world and. And I've got a second book going on that's way deeper. It's a bigger story. There's a lot more going on in it. It's totally fictional, but um, in in a kind of super self-serving move, because I don't have my friend in my world anymore. I uh, I brought him back in the second book, and uh, <laughs> and we go on some adventures together. So I'm really excited about it. So so if someone wants to uh, you know find these books or, or or look you up, how do they do that? Um, well, I'm on Instagram at, at Hollywood Capone. It's easy to find me there. Um, I'm on Facebook as uh, Bill Capone. And it's uh, I basically have had that Facebook account since Facebook's been open. So I haven't changed the name or anything. It's just kind of on there. Um, I also have a page dedicated to the book called The Ashes, which can be found through uh, the Grand page and, uh, and the Facebook page. And the book itself is available on Amazon. Um, it's available in, in uh, as a paperback or as um, as an ebook, uh, Kindle, and um, and I did an audiobook version of it, which I, I guess you heard some of the excerpts of that. That's on Audible.com, and that's a story in and of itself. Uh, doing an audiobook, people that do that for a living, I, I got to hand it to them. There's a lot more talent that's going on there than I ever thought. <laughs> did you do the? Did you do that yourself, or was that? I mean, how'd you get that done? 
oh, I did do it myself. And I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I was way naive going into it. I, <laughs> I, I, I thought, you know, oh, okay, I'm going to just read my book and, you know, then I'll produce it and everybody will love it. I'll sell a million copies and everything will be great. And, uh, and it wasn't that way at all. It, it was, in fact, the opposite. Um, my first, second, third read-throughs, oh, my God, it was horrible. It sounded, it sounded so bad. My voice was – I didn't enunciate properly. Um, you know, and, and, and here's the thing when you're writing, too. Like, a lot of times you'll write things that read very cool or they read very eloquently. But when you go to say them out loud, you know, a string of words together, some of these words aren't meant to be said together. <laughs> you, you know, they tie your tongue up or they do these weird things where it's very, very difficult to get the thought across and, and pronounce it properly. And there was a lot of hurdles to overcome. It took me nine months of constant working every night to record that book, to get it to the point where I, I was like, all right, now I can put this out there. I can sell this. You know, I'm okay with this now. So, so yourself, you don't have a publisher or anything. You're, you're self publishing on all this stuff yourself. Yep. Oh, I'm self published on the, you know, uh, on this, this first book is self published. The second book, um, I got a couple leads and, um, I, I need to get it finished before I start shopping around. But this, the second book is so much more substantial. Uh, I'm going to take my time with this and, uh, and shop it around and see if I can get anybody to sign on to it because it's a, it's a way better story. It's way more involved and it's, um, you know, it's a nice sophomore effort. It's, uh, it's, it's way more mature than the first book and, uh, I'm real proud of it. That's really cool. So are you, um, you're doing all this stuff. Are you making a living off of anything or do you got to work in, in addition to all this stuff? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I work in addition to this stuff. I, uh, like I said, I, I'm a juggler. I got a lot of stuff going on and it's, I never stand still. It's, you know, a lot of people, a lot of guys I know, you know, they, they go work their nine to five or whatever they do and they go home, drink a few beers, sack out and they do it again tomorrow. And it's, it's very rarely like that in my world. Like for me to find time to just chill out and do nothing, I have to schedule it. It's, um, there's just so much going on in my world, you know, between the band and, and then there's family too, you know, I, I'm a little older, so you know, my parents are older, my wife's parents are older, and they have problems, you know, we're, there's always something going on to the point where we're just, we're busy 24 seven. But you know, what? We're, we're very fortunate, too, because, you know, all of us here, I mean, we, we enjoy what we're doing. And, um, and we have fun, too. You know, it's, uh, I, I wish I could say life was perfect, because it's not in any way, shape or form. But, um, but it's, it's certainly good. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, you know, one of the things, kind of the theme of our show is, is, is to inspire other people to kind of chase their dreams. So if you were, let's say you were, you know, sharing with a group, what would you say to them? Well, I'd say, first of all, <clears throat> work hard. Um, but, and I say that in all aspects, you know, don't, and, and I've met people that have this, you know, they, they have a semblance of talent, but they, they don't want to work with the talent. They just think because they have the talent that, you know, the rest of the accolades should come to them. So that's not necessarily the case. It, it happens sometimes, but it's, it's not in the majority. So to anyone young, I would say, you know, trust your heart, believe in yourself, but, you know, work it as well. You know, learn from people that do it. Pay attention to people that do it. You know, if you want to be a writer, read and read stuff written by by people that have been doing it and do it so well. You know, uh, Hemingway's, you know, Stephen King. Um, there's just so many different writers out there and things like that. And, you know, if you're a musician, 
you know, listen to stuff that you enjoy, listen to stuff that is well-made and quality. I mean, like I'm a, I'm an ear, ear child of the nineties. You know, I, I love Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and, you know, yeah. Pearl Jam and, and Nirvana. And I listen to that stuff and, and you know, I hold all that stuff on a very high pedestal. And, uh, you know, I take that into my music too. I mean, I'm a, I'm a thief in a lot of things, you know, <laughs> I, I love the stone temple pilots. I, I, I steal chords and licks from Dean DeLeo left and right with unabashedly <laughs> because he's just so good, you know? So I, I guess, you know, what I would say to anyone who's, you know, a creative or even if, you know, you're not a creative, whatever it is you're going to do in life, whatever you want to do, do it to the best of your ability. You know, don't slack off. You know, if you're a surfer, go out there and be the best surfer there is. You know, if you're a guitar player, be the best guitar player you can possibly be. If you're, you know, write in a way that satisfies your heart and makes you feel like you have, you know, hit the mark with what you're trying to say. Because I think ultimately, if you're being true to yourself in whatever it is you're doing, uh, your success will come. Even if it's not financial, it'll it'll come on a level where you know, you have a way of looking at the world where you are absolutely quite all right with it. And you know what, man, you guys are doing a good podcast because I, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I've been promoting this book for a while and I, you know, I put myself out there and I, 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 I sit in on a lot of shows, you know, I do like at least one a week and, wow. uh, and, and some of them, eh, you know, I, I don't know what to say about them, but they're, you, you guys are professional and, and I'm having a good time enjoying this conversation. And, uh, you guys clearly have, have done this once or twice and, and, and you know what you're doing. And, and I appreciate being on, you know, just to have the conversation. It's uh, I'm enjoying the conversation and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have met you guys, uh, you know, in this capacity. Yeah. Us, us too. We're, you know, we're just talking. It's, it's, it's basically like the story that you wrote about, about your best friend and stuff. Um, Mitch and I are just, we have this rapport because we're so close. It's like brothers and and then we just kind of talk like this is how we'd be talking anyway um you know it's structureless it's all basically improv we're not trying to be clever we're not really trying to have a style and stuff it's just us talking and so it's all like friendship powered well i, I think that's the key to like everything is is being natural with it you know and and you know obviously you guys have a, a natural chemistry and it, it it shows at least on my end Oh, well, well thank glad you. to hear that. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All we got to do is act naturally, right? That's Just it, act man. naturally, like, yes. You know, <laughs> how else can you act? You know what I mean? That's, that's, you know, some of the highest paid actors and, you know, personalities in the world, you know, they come across as appearing perfectly natural. And that's, I think that's, you know, a big, big part of it, you know? And, and yeah. you guys have a, a natural chemistry. You, you know, you... You do your thing well together, and um, and there's so much to be said for that. All right, guys, thanks again, and have a great night, man. You, All too. Right. you too. All right. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, Mike, it's that time. That time again. Break out the toilet, dude. <laughs> yeah, roll out the porta potty. Hey, That's if right. We ever, if we ever do, like, a, a live show, we need to have, like, a toilet on the stage. <laughs> that's a great idea dude yeah yeah we could be you know instead of sitting on chairs or couches or something like that we should just 
sit on toilets. <laughs> sit there with a the toilet next to us. We could use it on the guests too. Like, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden the interview's going bad, and you see Mitch reaching for the toilet, like reaching <laughs> yeah, for the, instead of the, the uh, usher. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> what was that old game show? Remember uh, the Gong Show, right? Oh, where... right. <laughs> I used to love that show. Yeah, where the acts would come on, and then if they were bad, they would get gonged off the show or whatever. Yeah. So. So in this one, what we could do is is we could have guests, right? And and then then for their stage, kind of shape it like a toilet bowl, and then <laughs> if if the if their performance or whatever is really bad, then the the guest, I mean the uh, the the judges, right? They can just pull like a, a string or something, and and <laughs> people get flushed. That's great, dude. We got to do that. Let's start planning our live show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got a a couple of exciting shows coming up too, and and uh, well, we don't want to give that stuff away, but uh, we've got some cool stuff coming up. Our movie review is on Furious Seven, so it's part of the Fast and Furious saga, and we picked number seven because again, it's lending to the friendship and also you know the real life tragedy of losing um paul walker in the middle of filming this movie and stuff and so we decided to kind of just carry the theme all the way through all right so what did you think of it sir so i actually i I like it um i I like it for the sentimental portion of it i really i really like the ending and um you know i mean it's the normal fast and furious right so it's got all the all the car racing and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's got the current action people of what is it? Jason Statham and, um, um, Dwayne, the rock and, you know, so I, I, I like all the action. There was some really cool stunts and stuff, but I mean, overall, I, I just like the theme of friendship because it's truly about friendship and family, you know, and, and that's what, like you are right you're 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 like a part of my family my my kids send you cards you know you you know i mean it's just you're like a part of the family so there's a lot of sentimental meaning in it to me so i really like it that's all you have to say well yeah i mean it's it's uh yeah pretty much i mean it's uh, you know it's got all the action and i i really i i really like that they jumped that car i mean i'm sure they didn't in real life but it was really cool that they jumped that car through three buildings in Dubai. Yeah. Hey, that, well, I guess we could give big. a shout out to our listeners in Dubai. Oh, that's right. right. Did yeah. you re- did you guys see that car flying from skyscraper to skyscraper? <laughs> yeah, reach out to us and let us know because we know <laughs> we got some um, listeners in the United Arab Arab Emirates in the city of Dubai. So a shout out to those folks. You had a movie filmed in your uh probably had a lot of them filmed there now but you know shout out to you love that movie love that scene yeah that was big that was definitely big well and then that other one too they like i thought that was pretty trip when they parachuted the cars out of the plane and then they just like gps guided them in or whatever right onto the road and they just Mm -hmm. that was that was pretty slick yeah you were all happy about that yeah we watched it together so I was yeah. able to hear all your reactions to the different yeah. stuff. So I liked it. I liked it just because of the theme and the sentimentality and, um, you know, 
all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just, it's a good representation for me of, of you and I, and, you know, so there you go. That's why. There you go. Well, I liked it uh, for the friendship stuff in it as well. And I, of course, related it to you and I. So that was always good. Now you softened me up though, listening to your review, because actually I was feeling pretty hardcore on it um, about <laughs> a lot of other issues. So maybe I'll just kind of hold back. I, I did like the friendship and the sentimentality um, again, but uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I, I don't want to offend you in any way. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, it just didn't click for me. Like I love action movies and, um, and I love crazy stunts and I've always been a huge fan of the um, James Bond franchise and um, but for some reason, this this didn't quite click. Uh, huh. However, um, it's it's interesting because Fast and the Furious is some kind of cultural phenomenon. Yeah, it's an incredibly successful franchise. And so that always intrigues me. Like, how come this thing works universally for so many different people? Um, and uh, I it makes me, you know, we looked it up and like what's the best fast and the furious movie and even though i felt like this one didn't quite gel for me um apparently fast and the furious five is supposed to be like the best one uh-huh. and so like i would be willing to watch that just to to try to understand why like right. you, um, so if you ever want to watch that one too even though i'm just saying like oh well, yeah, i think it really worked for me yeah, I think you should just have to watch them all up to, you know, like you need to watch because you never saw number one, right? No, I, I hadn't seen any of them. This yeah, was the first one that yeah. I saw. So, so I, I think that before you, you you judge them, you need to just watch them all. There's only like 10. So it's only like 200 hours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll find your bones and skeletons in a chair. <laughs> but have you seen them all? No. No, I haven't seen them all. Okay. No. Um, it's interesting because uh, just with where technology and special effects are, like you know, like apparently Paul Walker, God rest his soul, died before this was completed, and then they finished it using CG. And so when I was watching the movie, like there's a the the last sequence in the movie is him and Vin Diesel and Vin Diesel goes down one road and he goes down the other and it's very brightly lit and his face is kind of like beaming. And I was sitting there watching it and I was thinking, that's fake. That's totally fake. Like that's the CG shot right there. That's it's just too bright. (laughs) But then then you and I looked it up and actually no, you know, they don't film movies in order. And um, the CG shots were kind of um, like not what you'd expect. So kudos to the special effects people, because I didn't um, I didn't notice those. And uh, this is actually why they warn that artificial intelligence is such a threat to humanity, because um, they can do holograms and CG like that, where it's 100 percent believable. So like if I um, if I like FaceTime called you, uh, AI can make a perfect me talking to you, like saying, well, you're going to have to kill the president. 
If Mike said so, I guess I will. Yeah. yeah. But it wouldn't be me. It would be AI. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and it's interesting. I mean, going back, thinking about the story itself, right? I will say the story's not original, right? In fact, I think we reviewed another movie with the same MacGuffin in it. Um, yeah. Right? They were going after some some computer thing that would let you do the same thing. I think it was the exact same thing. Oh, that, that, yeah, the MacGuffin in this one was very stale. They, they, yeah. done, I can't really think but of like the movies, but the idea of, um, yeah, uh, a computer uh, chip uh, that you can track anybody or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's been done a lot. Um, I think almost everything in the movie has been done a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, but that was kind of a side note, right? Because it was more about them getting revenge for a killed friend. was, And they were just going to use that to track the guy down. Yeah. And so. and so here again, I do agree with you. I like all the messages about friendship and family yeah. and all of that. Um, and uh, I was just thinking that like there's an early John Carpenter movie Um I don't think I think he wrote it or produced it and he didn't actually direct it but like the whole it revolved around that stunt where a car jumps from one building to the other yeah yeah that's 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 not original but you know it's all I I just you know I like action like that it's definitely a great action movie a lot of action and you know those are the most recent you know if you went back to when we were in you know in high school and if you could imagine getting like uh, who Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, Harrison Ford, you know, all those kind of guys and get them all into one movie, you know, when they were young, not I mean, they do it now. But I mean, back when they were young stars, you know, that. Yeah. When they were young. Yeah. 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 You know, it would, I, it, it would Harrison be cool. Ford shocks me at, at how he's aged. he's really not he does not have the same like it factor or charisma that he used to um i i you were you brought up the expendables and i i have not seen those films but i i watched like one sequence from it with him in it and it was just like there's no way he could do that without his iv (laughs) i just i where's his iv (laughs) (laughs) but when they were younger like oh yeah And so that's what I feel about these, you know, I like, you know, Van Diesel and, and Paul Walker and, you know, all these other different guys that, that, that you've got in there and and they're in these other ones too. So I enjoyed it for that. So what are you going to, what are you going to give it? I I want to hear what you rate it first because I was feeling all mean about it and then you softened me up. So now I'm scared. Well, I'm just going to go two and a half flushes. Really? Yep. Well, I, <laughs> I, I guess I have to be brave for the sake of like. No, no. Give it, give it your true rating. That's fine. But it, just because it, it has sentimental meaning, you know, that's all. I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the sentiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. And I can't I, flush I'm... you, Mike. I just can't flush you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, our friendship is separate from this movie, Mitch. <laughs> but i yeah i mean i like all the friendship sentimentality in it and stuff but otherwise it it just didn't i I, it didn't really work for me um and uh 
so I'm gonna give it four fleshes and okay. and, and spare it a flesh because of the friendship angle. Okay. Sounds good. Steve, so, forgive me, man. I forgive you, man. Two and a half for me and four for you. Because uh, being a movie critic, it's like a blood sport. Two men with the mic was recorded live in front of Clothes on a Hanger at Clothes on a Hanger Studios, California. You can reach out to them on Instagram at the number two men with a mic 